Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome back, Crack fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Super excited to share today's episode with all of you listeners as we are joined by maybe the player of the 2021 summer. When you've experienced success at the junior level, the collegiate level, and the pro tour level, all within a six-month span, you know you are going to capture our attention here at Cracked Rackets. Of course, today's guest, probably best known for delivering the clinching victory in the 2021 Division I Men's National Championship for his Florida men's tennis team. He goes on this fall to become the first Florida Gator men's player to win the ITA All-American singles title. Of course, he reached the final of the boys' 18 singles competition at Kalamazoo, won the boys' 18's doubles title there, earned his first futures title this summer as well, capturing a pro circuit event in Champaign. Of course, I'm referring to Ben Shelton, who joins the show today to discuss all of the success he's achieved over the past six months. What's clicked for him so well, both on the court, but then, of course, from a confidence standpoint as well that's allowed him to achieve this sort of success. And then, of course, with all of the success in the rearview mirror, what do you do to duplicate it? What do he and his Florida men's tennis teammates have in store for all of us here in 2022? It is a fantastic conversation that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, before we get to it, just a quick reminder, if you've missed any of our Indian Wells coverage, you can find daily recaps on the Mini Break podcast, daily previews on our Great Shot podcast feed. If you want to hear our extended thoughts on the ITA All-American results, head on over to the Great Shot podcast feed as well. Chris Halioris, Matt's Koyak joined me on Thursday to break it all down. We'll be breaking down the women's event early next week as well, so be on the lookout for that podcast with a brand new Crack Rackets contributor that I'm super excited to introduce to all of you listeners. Of course, here on this podcast, we've had a couple of great interviews this week. We were joined by 2009 NCAA singles finalist, former Florida, uh, excuse me, Miami of Florida women's associate head coach Lara Valverdu, who talked about her illustrious playing career transitioning from player to coach. We were also joined by former Valpo men's tennis head coach Jim Doherty, who joined us to reflect on his 35 years at Valpo to discuss what it's like to build a program from scratch, discuss all of the success they had along the way as well. We're hitting all of the levels this week, folks, pros, juniors, collegiate, of course, in our quest to ensure all of you tennis fans have all the information you need to enjoy yourself. Again, all of that content available on our website, crackrackets.com. But enough with the plugs. You didn't come to hear that. You came to hear today's interview. So with that in mind, let's get to it. Here is my conversation with rising sophomore for the Florida men's tennis team, Ben Shelton. 
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Joining us on the podcast for the first time today, one of the winners of the 2021 summer, just from any aspect you look at it. Of course, it started out with a team title with his University of Florida men's tennis team. He won the clinching match against Baylor in the championship match. Of course, you progress through the summer. He wins his first Futures title. Over in Champaign, he takes that success over to Kalamazoo, where he ends up as your boys' 18 singles finalist. All of that translates this past week into the ITA All-American Men's Singles title. Joining us on the podcast today, a recent birthday boy as well. Westoff, cue the birthday sound effect. It is the University of Florida's Ben Shelton. Ben, welcome to the show. Congratulations. <laughs> Happy birthday, my friend. How are you doing today? Thanks. Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, I appreciate you having me on here. Uh, I've definitely listened to a lot of the podcast, so it's cool to be able to be a part of it. Oh, I appreciate that. I always say any smack talk I'm going to do, I like to think I do it to your face. So I appreciate exactly. you giving me the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I had to give you a chance. But. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I will say this. I'm October 6th. You're October 9th. That's, you know, nice. that's just a talented week, clearly. Exactly. Uh, exactly. I will say the scariest part, you're October 9th, 2002. That's the same year my little brother was born. So I feel like, <laughs> you know, this is terrifying. I feel, yeah, again, I feel closer to age to your dad than you in this moment. That's not true at all. Um, but obviously, happy belated birthday to you. And Thank let's you. start with the All-American singles title because that's a hell of a gift for you to give to yourself. And, you know, you come into the event unseated. You don't drop a right. set on your way to the title it's been a year full of successes for you but could you have anticipated that sort of start to this 2021-22 season um i'm not gonna exactly say that i thought i was gonna go there and uh destroy everyone or or not lose a set or anything like that um i i have a lot of confidence right now from the summer and uh that care that definitely carried over into this tournament i uh I felt pretty confident going into each match, and um, it was it was one of those tournaments where I, when I when I was going out there on court, I wasn't I wasn't feeling that like tight nervousness in my stomach. I was just I was just kind of going to play, and uh, it was honestly a little easier that I was the under underdog, the un- unnamed person in uh, in main draw, and uh, I was kind of a floater in the draw, and uh, I think that definitely helped me a lot. Yeah, that had to have been weird for you to go from being one of the top seeds in Kalamazoo and, you know, obviously you're now unseeded in this event and in your first three matches, straight sets over three SEC opponents, guys who were playing above you in the lineup last year in Prada, in Rodriguez, in Homan. Again, what was clicking for you so well in Tulsa? I know those conditions can be brutal. It's got to be helpful to play it in September, but what was clicking for you so well all week? Um, well, one, I was serving pretty well. Uh, I, was, I thought I was holding a pretty high percentage of the time. I think one of my coaches said it was somewhere around 90%. So um, that that obviously helped a lot. And then um, you're right. The conditions were a little bit nicer this year. It was a little cooler. It was a little easier to just stay in the points and keep digging. And honestly, I played a, 
I played a lot of players who hit the ball great, and I, I felt confident just going deep in points with them, and I was getting a lot of success in those in those longer rallies. Mm-hmm. And you use that word success. I do want to dive into a couple of things here because you watch tennis long enough, you follow it. It's pretty clear success breeds success. And you know you talked about coming in as an underdog into this event, but also with the confidence you carry. We'll get into how well you hit a tennis ball in a second, I promise. But that confidence standpoint and the mental aspect of the game, is that sure. what's clicked this summer? Is it just, again, having that confidence, knowing, okay, it's the deuce point here. Well, I've won 16 of my last 18 deuce points. I think I'm going right. to be okay. Right. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that's like experience. You know, mm-hmm. I came into college and I uh, I played pretty well at number five last year and to be honest, the level difference from number one to number five always isn't the biggest thing that you've ever seen. I mean, for our team or, and for a lot of the top five teams, you look down the lineup and you're like, wow, like that guy's playing six or that guy's on the bench. Like everyone all the way down can play and sometimes are, can be interchangeable. And for me, I think it was getting a little bit of experience against some of those guys who play one. Uh, there was a collegiate playoff this summer that they held at uh, USTA, mm-hmm. and honestly, that was that was kind of the turning point of my summer. I uh, I played a lot of matches that week against a lot of uh, number ones and uh, guys who had been the top players in the country or guys that were definitely on the come up. And uh, I played pretty well against everyone that uh, that I played there, and it kind of gave me a confidence like, okay, I can play at this level okay, there's guys this summer like my teammate Sam Riffis who's out there doing as well as he's doing. You know, maybe I can do that too. So I think I, I totally agree with success breeds success. And the more college tennis players that have good summers and are doing good things over the summer, the more that are going to break through. I've heard a rumor that Sam Riffis hasn't won a practice set since 2019. Is that true? I that that is false. That is false. <laughs> I'll give him a little jab and say that I think I have the edge in uh, practice matches played at the University of Florida, but I have definitely seen him whack some people in practice. Oh yeah, that's what I like to hear. Um, no, I mean, <laughs> so you brought up something, and you know, again, I like I'm happy that I now run in the circles to hear about these things. But you talk about the event you played on the national campus, the collegiate right. wild cards, and the hidden wild card events they hold in Orlando. It's you know, again, I feel like there's a summer competition circuit. Just turn the t- cameras on. Let us fans watch because I know it's guys like you and guys like Destanich was down there as well. And just, yeah. you know, again, to have the opportunity to train with those guys, to have the opportunity to you know train with your Florida teammates week in, week out. Is that for the sure. biggest difference for you? I know you were a guy who wasn't always, you know, a thousand percent committed to tennis the way you have right. to be to turn pro. Has that been the right. difference this summer as well? Yeah, I think uh, the more you see, I mean, at least for me, I, I think for some people, maybe it's overwhelming seeing uh, this this higher level. But for me to be able to play a challenger event, um, thanks to USTA and uh, the US Open and be in Orlando around some of those pros, pl- practice with Fertangelo and uh you know, just see some of uh, the way that they're doing things. It's it's definitely a confidence boost. And then you being able to hold your own with them is a confidence boost as well. So I think uh, I think it's important for college tennis players to get some of that exposure to the pro game and not think that, okay, this one thing right here is college and uh, pro is completely different, but that you can make 
make a transition and that's kind of where i'm at right now i think that uh i think that it was super cool to see all the players i saw this summer but also super cool to see people that i see every day or play with start making some breakthroughs when Vanderson Sculp makes the quarterfinals, are you – because let's be honest, we're all tennis players. I wasn't this good, but when I see someone I almost beat has a sick win, I'm like, damn, that could have been me. What exactly. percent of you are like, that should have been me? Uh, I'm not – I didn't really feel like that. I thought that um, I, was gra- I was gracious for the opportunity that I had there. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be honest, say say I did beat Vanderson Sculp after being up a break in the third and – say I get through the third round of qualities or lose, that's I'm still testing positive for COVID that mm-hmm. next day and I wouldn't have been able to play the main draw. So um I I think maybe it worked out okay because yeah. <laughs> if, if 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 I would have gotten pulled out of the main draw of the US Open after qualifying because of testing positive, that would have that would have killed me. No, I can only imagine. And, you know, I still say because my favorite quote of the summer is the one you gave to Colette saying, no, we're going to New York to win the U.S. Open. And you didn't lose it. It, You know, you you still haven't lost. So technically it's still alive. But for you, I know we're jumping around here, had to have been a gut punch to, you know, not be able to compete in that main draw in doubles. But just to be around New York as well, sticking with this theme, it sounds like it was a learning experience. Yeah, for for sure. It was definitely a learning experience. Mm-hmm. And just to have that opportunity, I mean, yeah, a lot of good hitting. You see your level is right there. And again, it translates here at the ITA All-American. You get through and you knock out a guy in J.J. Tracy, who obviously was in exceptional form. You knock off uh, who, uh from Washington, who was playing great tennis. And then you get Holmgren in the final. You talked about your serve earlier, and this is how we're going to start to dive into the tennis. That's something going to Kalamazoo, and I had the opportunity to be there on the grounds. It's what you know. You, that's what stood out. You, it was a man amongst boys, and I say that respectfully to the rest of the field. It was just like, oh, this guy has been in the weight room for a year in college. His serve is what a serve looks like after a year of college tennis. The other guys don't, and I'm curious for you to see your, you know, again, the degree the serve could make a difference at Kalamazoo. Is that something that sticks with you? And is that something it sounds like you focused on here throughout the week at All Americans? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something that sticks with me. It's one of those things that I don't want to rely on. You know, I I want to keep improving the rest of my game. I want to be an all court player and get better at coming into net and get better at defending, become more athletic and uh, get better fitness wise, so I can last in longer matches and things like that. But it's definitely it's definitely something that I focus on and I think can can make me different and. Uh, when you look at a lot of the stats due to serving and returning, it's 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 if you're holding serve at a higher percentage, and uh, you're making more first serves, you're getting more free points. You're usually winning winning matches. Mm-hmm. No, and again, that's what you've done this summer is win matches across levels. <laughs> it, uh, the reason I bring that up is because you've played at all three highest levels of right. juniors, highest levels of college, highest levels of pro this uh, this right. past summer. Is that the biggest, you know, when you look at the high-level juniors versus the high-level pros, what's the difference in, in your mind? Um, well, I mean, they probably hit the ball just a little bit cleaner <laughs> sure. and uh, move a little bit better. But, I mean, serve and return, mm-hmm. for sure. Serve and return. Those are the two things that stood out to me. I mean, Botic was definitely not at, at the form that he was at at the end of that tournament when he played me. 
but it, it seemed like from the first game I hit a serve that usually people have trouble with and he's rocketing it at my feet mm -hmm. and he's he's serving his spots and he's getting at least two free points a game off just hitting spots even though he doesn't have an absolute cannon so yeah. I thought that serve and return are the two things that stuck out to me the most. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that had to have been a critical part of your final match against Holmgren, who is so good at finding that first forehand. And unfortunately, right. it's a match we weren't able to see. So I got to turn to you here for the oral history. You know, you end up uh, getting the victory in that match. I believe it's a 6-3, 6-4 victory. And I believe that clinches the first All-American singles title in program history for the Florida right. men's team. Uh, again, what worked so well for you in the final against a guy who, you know, beat Jordan Thompson, top 100 player, two weeks ago, yeah. and you get a three and four win over him? Have to imagine it feels good. That's the theme here. It's got a lot of feeling good in the life of Ben Shelton. So it, it definitely felt good. Um, it was a really windy day. The, the the semis and finals was was kind of ridiculous. I mean, the wind was swirling. It was moving fast and. It uh, it kept going on for the whole match, so that was that was definitely one of the factors. He just had a little bit of trouble hitting his spots on that first serve, and a little um, I want to say tentativeness on that first forehand. You know, he wasn't really ripping for that line on the first ball, so I was able to get a few shots deeper into uh, his service games um, simply because it was it was so windy. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. If you look back at the run, what's the win that stands out to you? I want to be honest. I think it's JJ Tracy. Yeah. Um, he was playing some ball, you know, <laughs> and he uh, he has a very tricky game for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. Mm -hmm. Out of all the guys that I played, he just he just did some things that I didn't like. He has a great heavy forehand off the court that he can hit on that spot over and over again. And, you know, I don't love hitting backhands at head level, you know, all day for, for two hours. But he, he could keep replicating that shot, and he's willing to go deep in every point. And I, I found that to be very tricky in that match. Mm -hmm. That forehand is so smooth for him as well. So smooth, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's beautiful. And the way he moves out of corners, too, you're just like, all right. Yeah, yeah I, I, I was actually playing that morning against yeah. uh, Ronnie Homan, and mm -hmm. he's playing a match next to me. And me and Ronnie finish. I start walking off the court, and I see him, and uh, he was playing a guy from uh, Arkansas, Reco. Yeah. Having like a 25-ball rally. And Reco hits a big shot to JJ's forehand, comes in. JJ slides, almost does the splits, and hits a squash shot, continental grip slice winner that curls outside the alley and lands like right on the line. Yeah, that's JJ. That literally. And I was like, I was like, this guy is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And of course, when you look at it, he might line up four or five singles for the Buckeyes. He's in a very similar situation for you. I think that's an interesting parallel to draw. And, you know, that gets us to the season. Of course, you've now won the ITA All-American title and you guys are coming off of a national championship season. You bring back right. the gang. Vale's back. Riffis is back. Andrade right. is back. Shelton's back. Goodger's back. You bring in Seymour and Abdullah and I don't want to forget my boy Lucas Greif, of course, and just, of the, course. you know, yeah, the entire crew is back this season. Right. Uh, again, knowing the level you guys are playing at, but knowing the level around uh, the country as well, how have these first few months been? I'm curious as you guys prepare to defend your title. Um, it's been fun. I mean, the level's obviously high in college tennis this year. I mean, I think there there's definitely some super teams and um 
it's been a little bit different because um, obviously some people are uh, doing their own thing this year. Duarte's outplaying a lot of futures. Uh, I've I'm gonna have the chance to play a few pro tournaments, and Sam's playing pro tournaments. So I think last fall was a little bit different with the fact that there wasn't any futures, and we were all just playing the same college college tournaments together, and it felt like more of a team a team setting from the very beginning in the fall while this feels a little bit more individualized even with all americans happening and and it being more of an individual tournament it's had it's had a little bit different feel but i'm sure as we get closer to january it'll start start to feel the same again yeah i know and that's an interesting point because talking to all of the sec coaches and not just you guys and you know, the big one, because everyone knew Florida was going to be good last year, and we'll get into where we were wrong throughout the course of the way, as you have pointed out to me throughout the course of time. But, um, you know, one thing that coach after coach in the SEC keeps mentioning, bringing up is the hidden duels you guys were able to play last fall. And Those were huge. Yeah. And so, again, you talk about the environment. COVID is still very much a part of all of our daily lives, and there were protocols right. in place, and you guys were only able to do so much. And so we had essentially a three-month preseason in the fall. It wasn't the individual stuff. It was all team. Exactly. How valuable was that for you guys? And is that you know is there a point during that fall where you just kind of know? Like I know talking to the Tennessee program, they knew. When they had some hidden duels, they were like, oh, man, we are really good this season. Was there a point for you guys like that last fall? Yeah, um, I think for me, it was, I mean, it's huge for any freshman last fall getting to do that. You know, you've never been in the, in the college setting before and I, I, I'd never played a match and, uh, we get to go to Georgia and play against Georgia while they have people there and play, play a dual match singles and doubles. Like that's huge, you know, and which would be our, one of our biggest rivals and biggest matches of the year. I get to play a practice one in the fall before I start my freshman season. So it definitely uh, helped me, you know, grow a little bit as a college tennis player. And I, I felt like I had experience, you know, before going into the spring and jumping into it. Mm-hmm. Now I can only imagine. And the level of competition, I know it's, a, it's an obvious question, but look, there right. were times we joked at the beginning of the year. And I think, honestly, I think Sam did play a match at three singles and it was like, well, kind of makes sense. Like, you know, it's right. kind of legitimate and just, the talent you guys had one through you could say 10 or 12 last yeah. season as well what's the competition like in practice does it get heated you know give me give me the deep give me the details um it doesn't get hugely heated well first off to talk about uh last fall and what i thought about our team yeah i was like wow they're changing up the lineup drastically yeah. every match i mean at one of these hidden duels where we played three I think I played number four, I played number nine, and I played number six, yeah. you know? And everyone was, someone was playing two, then they were playing six, then they were playing eight. Like, I was like, wow, we can we can put anyone at any spot and still have confidence in them, you know? So that's when, that's when I started to realize that our team was pretty special. And uh, in terms of practice, <laughs> it definitely gets heated. Um, me, and, me and Andrade always get after it, we get into it. <laughs> You know, Sam Riffis loves to be sarcastic on the on the court, so he'll get into it with people sometimes. But if you had to guess the biggest rivalry on the team, who would you guess? Uh, of current players? Yes. I would say the world versus Grife, of course. Because so it's, it's Lucas Grife 
and Andy Andrade. Oh, because, yeah, because they're never, oh, I could see it. <laughs> they go after it, man. They get after it. It gets nasty. You know, everyone loves it. So they're like, oh, shoot, it's Andrade and Grife today. You know, there's always something happening on that club. Oh, I love it. Do we put push-ups on the line? Is it like, I'll be team Grife, you guys team Andrade, losers are doing sprints? <laughs> Yeah, we love we love making little uh, butts up wagers on the sidelines, yeah. even when we're not even playing. You know, yeah, so we've been doing something for a couple of years now, and it's an inter squad tournament. Right okay. when we get back in January, and you, it's a round robin. You probably end up playing five matches a day, uh, a match a day, like for the whole week, and it's pretty competitive. And everyone puts it on the line. It's two out of three sets, and you have to stay until everyone's finished. So. It'll be Grief Andrade, six all in the third. It's the sun's gone down. Everyone's been gone done for two hours. And Grief's going to serve the ball at five six. Like <laughs> and it feels like a real match, you know? It just feels so much tension. So I think that's a pretty cool thing that we do. No, and that's one of many. And I know another one is ball toss or whatever you guys call it, the warm up circle beforehand. I think you played it six times in the lead up to yeah, the Baylor two, match. Two ball. It's called two ball. Oh, yeah. two ball, gotcha. Yeah. And first of all, the the opening question there is is anyone more competitive about it than Tanner Stump because I feel like you guys play the game solely that he can win something. Yes, he is <laughs> so competitive, <It's> insane, <laughs> and and I'm gonna be honest, I don't know if I've seen him win the game before. <laughs> I don't know. You know who's sneaky good is Lucas Grice. Yeah, of course. That, yeah, it makes yeah. sense. I saw. I'm trying to think who won that. I saw a lot of. I know you had a good run. Tanner was always final three, final four. He's always yeah. He always he's so locked in. It's like his (laughs) his his ten minutes competition a day, and he's just locked every time. (laughs) Oh, exactly. No, and again, that speaks to just the atmosphere you guys were able to build with your team. And obviously, you know, early in the season, and it's a different national indoor format, but you guys are forced to go over to Texas, a team who had beaten many of the members of your Florida team, not only in the NCAAs in 2019, but then start of 2020, they knock them off in Gainesville as well. Uh, Obviously, that was a funky weekend, and this is what got us in trouble. It turns out at that event, there were just so many exceptional teams. You know, first match, I think you guys beat Arizona, if memory serves me correct, 4-2. And we were like, oh, 4-2 versus Arizona. But then it turns out Arizona's freaking awesome. Yeah, Uh, they're solid. Yeah, and then, of course, Texas does to you what they did to seemingly everyone last year, 4-3 victory for them. Yeah, they were just, you know, they were the 4-3 Wizards. That that threw us off the scent. At the same time, right. what are you guys saying after a weekend like that? So that was kind of a, a turning point in the season for us. I mean, our our motivation level went through the roof. So um, that night, we it's three all. It's zero zero in the third. It's been like the fifth rain delay, and Riffis and Spaziri are on the court. They're finally like, okay, whatever. We're not going to play outside tonight. Let's move it inside. It's after 10 p.m. We drive over the to their indoor courts. They're not on site. They're maybe 20, 30 minutes away. We get there, get indoors. Sam warms up, and Elliot Spaziri comes out and plays one of the best sets I've ever seen in my entire life. Beats Sam too, playing playing good tennis. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he takes the set six two, and it seemed like Sam had hit five shots. Spaziri was going first ball winner, ace, return, come in, knock off a volley, just over and over and over, had these plays running. And so we finished the match. We go outside. 
we're all sitting in a circle it's raining in the parking lot and we're having a long talk everyone's speaking the uh, captains are talking to us and spaziri walks out he gets in the car next to us and as he gets in and closes the door they turn the music all the way up and just start going ballistic after the clinch and we're sitting here getting talked to and they're just going nuts in the car next to us and we're like wow you know that's a dagger to the heart right there yeah. and fair fair enough you know he played an insane match and uh he definitely deserved to win that set that day but mm -hmm that was kind of a point in the season that I was like, okay, this, this can't be happening to us again. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to lose another match. We want to, we want to put it all on the line. There's mistakes made today that just aren't going to be made for the rest of the season. And we, we went on a tear from that point. Mm -hmm. And for you individually, you lose a match to Chi Chi Huang there against right. Texas. You don't lose again until I think what I want to say April second uh, against yeah. Vanderbilt or whatever it was. And yes. obviously yeah. for yeah. your team, you guys rip off an undefeated SEC regular season. And for you personally, you go twenty eight and five during the stretch of that year. And obviously, everything's clicking for you guys in singles, but. We then obviously get to the SEC tournament where you guys, you know, it was it was a testy run even just to get to that SEC final for you guys right. four three against South Carolina or four two excuse me against Mississippi State four three against Texas A and M, and then you get clipped by Tennessee in what was obviously one of the matches we'll all remember for <laughs> quite a bit of time, uh, you know, even beyond the extracurricular stuff which we. Right. We don't really have to touch on because whatever, okay. what happened, happened. But just, right. <laughs> you know, you talk to so many different teams and they'll say, well, it was actually when we got tripped up. That was so critical for us moving forward through the rest of the season. With right. retrospect, I mean, obviously, I'm sure it's a difficult loss at the time. But what does that loss do to get you guys ready for that run at NCAAs? So it gave us a little bit of an edge, you know. Maybe it was, maybe it was all the stuff happening outside the court. Maybe it was... You know, after the match, having to watch uh, Tennessee hold up the the trophy, and after we put in such a such a tough week of work, um, maybe it was a lot of stuff combined, and losing singles matches, maybe we didn't think we should have lost, and struggling in the doubles, and we were just like, no, like we're go we we got to turn this around. You know, NCAs we're gonna build from from the very first very first serve of NCAs we're going to build throughout that week. So when we get in the later in the week, we're going to have no issues, you know? And uh, so we lose that match four, three to Tennessee and that hurts, you know, that's uh that's a tough one to swallow, making it all the way undefeated season, make it to the finals of the sec tournament, have a chance to get two sec titles that year. And uh, they played a great match and they took it from us that day. So we, uh, we thought, hey, maybe we'll get another chance at them in NCAs, and we, we have to be ready because, you know, they always come to play. No, no doubt about that. We've talked about it on our podcast before. Were you seated next to anyone on the plane ride to, to Atlanta? Did you? I know, I think it was, what, Andrade next to maybe Walton? Like yeah, directly Walton, on Walton, the play? yeah, Walton had, his tro had the trophy on his lap in the aisle seat. And Andrade had his headphones in in the window seat. I mean, that's just tough. That's brutal. No, brutal. Just, yeah, you and can't he was ask. last one on. Yeah, that's just 
No, it's it's horrifying. But obviously, I suppose the redeeming factor is you guys get to play NCAAs in Orlando. And I happen to be there each and every night. And you guys were always the late match. And that meant against Illinois, you know, you weren't playing until 1230. And, you know, I still am not sure if you guys have started the NCAA championship match or not. I think you did, but it may still not have gone on. Texas and Pepperdine might still be battling. All of that is to say, you know, regardless of that fact, how late in the night it started— Packed crowds. I mean, just unbelievable atmosphere for that NCAA tournament. And, you know, the match that stuck out to me, we'll get to Baylor in a second, but Texas A&M. I mean, A&M almost had you guys. Like, there was a run there at the time. You know, Andy's match gets flipped by Aguilar, and Vastro and Vale are battling over on one. And it just felt like, you know, that match could have slipped away. And yet it did. You guys still had a crowd there that late at night. I'm curious, obviously, in the final as well, you dropped the doubles point. It, you didn't even remember that heading into singles with how amped that crowd was. You know, Correct. did they put the most points on the board for the team that week? Yeah, I mean, it was it was insane. I, mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it sometimes. I mean, we'd have a rain delay come back, and there'd still be people up there. Yeah. I'd almost be like, like, if I was up there, I'd be going home, you know? <laughs> I mean, it was so late. It wasn't always the best weather, and they just stayed out there and kept going nuts. They weren't just there. They were there loud. And I remember the A&M match. I, I walked back after uh, we flipped the coin, and uh, I'm back by the fence, and the first thing I hear from an, uh, an A&M fan is, your daddy can't save you now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and I look up, and six Gator fans just start ripping him right there and i was like wow gotta love that you know it's gonna be a battle tonight but there's definitely there's definitely some gator fans up there that are ready to get into it so that's cool to see no i i actually wasn't sure kessler almost fought everyone like just on principle he was just swinging just to add everyone around him it was delightful um yeah yeah but no it was again it, it was a super special environment and for you guys again six hour delay whatever it was for the men's final to start it finally gets on court Baylor comes out and they punch you in the face. They play a great doubles point. What are you guys saying in between that huddle, uh, in between doubles and singles? And then, you know, for you personally, I mean, I watched the match. Charlie came out and played an outstanding first set. What were you able to do to ultimately, you know, flip the script there, not only you personally, but the team in general? Yeah, right. Well, uh, first of all, that that show that they put on at, at number one doubles was something special. Yeah. Franson and Law, was that who it was? Yeah. I mean, I I looked over and watched that tennis, and I was like, this might be the greatest doubles I've ever seen play. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was it was ridiculous. They were playing some ball. But we went to the huddle, and we, we kind of said, guys, look what we've done the rest of this week. You know, we haven't lost a singles point yet. We've lost a couple doubles points. But we got to have confidence in ourselves, have confidence from the guy next to you, and, like, we're gonna go out and let's let's put on a show let's put an exclamation point on that so I, I don't think we were too frantic that was one thing that we did a good job of even if we had a bad doubles a bad day of doubles we uh we were just like okay you know we were kind of chill about it you didn't see the coaches starting to worry or wonder oh, are we gonna be okay today but they're just like no we're good and uh so we go out to that first set and charlie plays a great set i'm not really seeming to find any answers and i look over at blaze and for the first time that i got taken out in the first set i looked and he'd lost the first set as well and so i went over to him maybe 1-0 in the second set and i 
I gave him a quick pep talk. I kind of went nuts. You know, we were both <laughs> yelling. <laughs> and I basically said, we're the two young guys out here, and we got we to gotta show these guys what we're made of. We're not going to go out like that, and we're going to get – get it back together and control the match from from this portion and uh me and him both won the second set like that quickly and you could kind of uh, see our players around us were like wait they didn't get points on the board it, it, when i was looking down and seeing like oh oh boy we're down on four and five you know they didn't they didn't put any points on the board there which which can be huge for the mo momentum so i think that was that was pretty pretty huge in us putting four points on the board Blaze is undefeated. Goodyear's undefeated. You've only lost five times, but do you feel like the odd man out? Are you like, damn, I'm I'm not contributing? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm like, how did these guys do it? You know, <laughs> it, I mean, like I have I have a bad day, or someone outplays me, and it just seems like they just always find a way to bring it back. You know, that's a special quality about both of them. You know, being able to win that many matches in a row isn't isn't easy, even if you're better than every person you're playing. You know. It's not easy to win every match, and yeah, it's tough. Again, yeah, it speaks to the special season you guys have, and obviously right. you go on to clinch the title and just the environment, everyone surrounding your court. And, you know, you could to your point, because I think you guys split first sets three apiece. Boyton won his first, Nick won his first, and, uh, and then Charlie won his first against you, and yet it was like, nope, Florida's got the momentum here. Like, you're absolutely right how quickly things seem to shift after that doubles point, and... You know, obviously right. you guys are going to able to ride that momentum all the way through to the finish line. And, you know, again, the, for you guys, that locker room, given what this Florida team in particular, guys like Riffis and Andy and Joe and all these guys had come so close and had so much success. And you can go back, you know, again, the through line from Alfredo Perez, Oliver Crawford, all these guys, McCain Kessler as well, to be right. the team that gets over the finish line. Uh, obviously, you know, run me through the celebration. How special a moment is that? It was really special. Um, I think one of the coolest things about it was how many former Gator players were there and how invested they were, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, they were the guys up there in the crowd going the most nuts. And they were the guys after the match that were the most ecstatic and happy for us, you know? That's so cool that that those guys still care about this program enough and our coaches and the guys on this team that they'll come back and travel across the country for some of, the, some of them or across the East Coast and... Uh, and still come out and watch us and support at 1 a.m. on a Saturday night. What time do you guys get back to the hotel? Like 6 a.m., 5 a.m.? It might have been 2. two yeah. th no. like, is there a McDonald's run? There's got to be something. I think – so we had a catered meal at the hotel, okay, and it was ice cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. That's got to be brutal. You're just like, come on. we. Won. The thing is, though, like half the team had to play the next day. Yeah. I, I mean, half the team was an individual. So it's kind of like you all need to go to bed. You play in 12 hours, right? <laughs> no, it's – yeah, it's crazy. Um, but, again, it's, it's it's such a special moment. And for you guys, obviously, now – or for you in, individually, it, it leads to the successful summer we referenced earlier. But for you, again, I want to talk specifically about that week uh, for you in Champaign where – you know, you knock off a defending NCAA, uh, former NCAA champion in Paul Jubb. You earn yourself right. a singles title. And, you know, I was talking to, uh, I suppose I can just say Colette Lewis, and we were thinking, who has come into Kalamazoo with a futures title in their resume already, like in the bank? 
And for you, I'm just, you know, again, what clicked that week for you to do it at the pro circuit as well? Uh, did you expect, I mean, I, I know you're a guy who always expects to have success, but could, did you think you right. were playing well enough to win the title realistically headed in? Honestly, headed in, I uh, I thought that I was like, yeah, I can win a couple matches here, you know. And uh, but I hadn't really had any huge success. Uh, I played two 15ks, one I lost first round, and the other I qualified and lost second round. So it seemed to be a lot of the same guys in each future in in the states. So I I wasn't quite sure you know, what the level was like all the way through the draw because I'd never really gotten to more than a small portion of the draw. So it was a little bit of uncertainty going in, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of proved myself wrong throughout the week. I, I started to realize that I didn't have to pe play so far above my limits to beat some of these players. And that's kind of what helped me throughout the week, just playing inside myself, playing solid tennis. And one guy that helped me out with a... a helped me out a lot with that that week was uh, Mark Boris, the Tulane coach. Mm -hmm. Who, because he's part of the collegiate travel team, right? And right, we referenced right. that earlier, but again, those wild card events, they get scrappy, right? Like, you guys are playing for serious stakes down at the USK. What was that summer experience like for you? So, it was pretty cool. I, I made the finals there, and I actually lost to Stefan Dostanich. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. By the end of the third set, I, I was cramping, he was so tired he couldn't move and uh it that was, was for just the carry challenger wild card right 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 yeah. and then he ended up getting sick after which was it's tough it stinks yeah. but uh it was <laughs> it was cool because you look all the way down the six courts or whatever that they were playing matches on and everyone was just digging you know there's we'd stay around for the three setters to see Spaziri and Kingsley battle it out when it's four all in the third. These are matches that would be epic in the, in the college uh, season, you know? No, I, I, I told you, I asked for an invite and they were like, no. And I was like, come on, like, who am I going to tell? Like, let me, and I also heard JJ was down there competing Wolf and that, that was when people were starting to say, oh no, he looks very good. Like he's starting to get fresh as well. And all those guys, you know, Kova, all of the recent graduates down there competing right. as well. Again, yeah. it gets back to the larger theme, success breeds success. But I am curious for you because in the pro level, you're not able to compete with the Gator on your chest. Now you are exactly. able to do that at Kalamazoo. And for you, I, I know you're a semifinalist in the boys 16s event. It's a place you've had success before, but you were a favorite, a considerable favorite. And after being the five singles player and after being, you know, the unseated guy in the futures, again, right. not trying to compare my experience to you, but it's really fun being the young guy with no expectations when you can just go out there and play freely. That wasn't the case in Kalamazoo. You had some That's pressure right. on you and right. yet you seemed to handle it so well. What clicked? Um, I, I just tried to be calm on the court you know and my mindset was there's going to be guys that are going to play good tennis throughout this week and you know i i just got to believe in my ability and not get too worked up and too upset and too frantic when someone starts playing great tennis because no matter who it is you know if they're a name that i don't know or there's someone that i know that's been a good junior the whole time you know everyone can everyone can play some ball so keeping a level head was probably one of the most difficult things but the one thing that I focused on the most going into Kal Kalamazoo. How good is Zach? Uh, he's a great player. Yeah, he's excellent. He just doesn't miss. Yeah, he's he's solid. He's tough to play. There's uh, there's a lot of things you have to think about playing against him, and 
you know, I started to find some things that, that were working and he made good adjustments and, uh, yeah, that's definitely a, that's definitely a tricky player, you know? Did you go to him and you say, Zach, two words, Florida Gators. Just, I know you've turned <laughs> pro, but just do it. I wish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wish, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I think, yeah, there's definitely uh, some guys I saw this summer and I was like, man, I wish, I won't name any names, but I was like, man, I wish I wish I had you on my team. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. You can say Colton Smith. It's all right. I know. <laughs> Me too. I felt the same way. I wish he went to Michigan. Um, but no, I mean, uh, again, for uh, you to, to have that sort of result, you go to New York, and now obviously you guys are the defending national champions. There are some expectations here this season. Uh, right. we, we talked. I know a lot of guys are out traveling, and it's, uh, by the way, all success all of you guys have earned, and Vale's made multiple quarterfinals finals semifinals a final over at the futures level and you right. know plenty of guys are having success and yet you bring in Seymour too you bring in Abdullah you've got plenty of new talent on the roster as well the expectations have obviously been set but what do you guys do day in day out you know again to not lose sight of the process and all the work it takes to defend your title yeah I think it's uh I think it's really good that most of the guys on our team have pro aspirations you know and they're they're working hard for the team, but they're also working hard to improve their level. And I think that's one thing we focus on most. We're not so worried about our wins and losses throughout the season, as long as we're doing things the right way, competing the right way, and improving. You know, each each player is improving. That's what we focus the most on. So it's uh, it's cool to see everyone have success. And you know, we've been working really hard because everyone everyone wants to get to that level. You know, and uh, I'm gonna be honest. One of the guys that's been one of those court rats who's out there every day, multiple times, extra times, just putting in that work is Nate Benetto, mm-hmm. one of our freshmen. He's been he's been on top of it. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, so sometimes having a young guy come in who works that hard is like kind of tells the older guys like no like you aren't there yet you know or or me like come on ben like this guy's out there he's out working you like what are you doing on a on a 6 a.m on thursday you know Mm -hmm. so uh i think he's definitely been one of those guys who's helped the team the team culture and you know how how hard we work so that's always an impressive quality in a freshman Mm-hmm. No doubt about that, and obviously you guys have tremendous talent as well. Uh, I'm a rapid fire here down the home stretch. Some questions before right. I let you go, and we can just rock and roll through again. Um, we'll start with your teammates. Your favorite practice partner? Favorite practice partner? Mm, I think I'd have to say Duarte Vale. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, they're all yeah, good picks, right? It's it's there's yeah. no bad pick on that roster, but you always know what you're getting from Duarte Ball. <laughs> yeah. It's always the same. So I like that. Best teammate to get dinner with. I, I'm gonna give you two. I, I and but they have to be together. It's got to be Andrade and Grief. <laughs> I that like combo. It. It's it's unbelievable. I uh, love those guys together. Least likely to pick up the check. Josh Guger. All right. Uh, Messiest locker. Messiest locker. Well, last year it was Johannes Ingoldson, that's for sure. Um, (laughs) Right now, in in our locker room right now, it might be me. Yeah. But we keep it pretty clean. No, that's good. That's good. Are you going to miss the Joe forehand? 
I am, you know, yeah, <laughs> the too. top spin and the slice. They're, yeah. they're very tricky balls to deal with. Yeah, exactly. Very I'm tricky. Gonna, it's it's no, deceiving. I'm gonna you know, playing, playing him is for the first time is a nightmare. I mean, he waxed me. He first got there because he couldn't come in the uh, in the fall because he had all, all, all the stuff that he had going on. I forget exactly what it was, but he got there and I was like, wow. You know, right away, I was like, this guy chops me very first practice match, and I have no clue what I'm doing out there. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, again, rapid fire, how many of the singles positions will you play this season? Over, under, three and a half. <sighs> I think you might hit, like, four or five. I mean, like, literally, I feel like all the guys are going to play about three or four spots. It's a rotating cast. I, I have no clue, you know. Yeah. I'm going to say no comment on that and let the coaches <laughs> decide. That's fair. <laughs> we'll, we'll get your dad on the, the pod uh, eventually for when sure. we do our season previews. And yeah. I guess that's probably a better question for that show. Yeah, it's a better question for him than for me to open yeah, my that's mouth. Fair. You know what's going to be funny is he's going to give me the same answer. I can guarantee it right now. He'll say no comment. <laughs> You'll see what you see. Um, exactly. No, for sure. Um, all right. Is the Tennessee-Florida rivalry real? Um, I'd say, yeah. I mean, at the level that both of us are playing at, it's uh, it's exciting. And, you know, we're excited that we got them at our place and our fans were going completely nuts. And now they have a chance for that home field advantage. So it's going to be fun for sure. Um, I'm going to be honest, though. I, I like a lot of those guys on their team. You know, mm-hmm. it's not it's not just hate. Yeah, no, it's not personal. It's purely it's a business. It's a business. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's uh, it's a Tennessee, Florida rather than a Shelton and whoever he's playing. You know what I'm saying? Hundred percent. This is uh, one of my hot takes. I know you're a Kalamazoo finalist, but berries and cream at Kalamazoo, overrated or underrated? Um, or properly rated, I guess. I think it's properly rated. I'm gonna be honest. You know, the answer is overrated. Wow. Okay. The blueberries. So maybe, uh, unnecessary. Just give me the ice cream straight. Like <laughs> I hold the blueberries. I'm good. Well, I've never been to Wimbledon. So that's the one like uh, trademark thing that I, that I've uh, come in contact with. <laughs> I like it now. Um, all right. Give me one guy on the Florida roster who we should be watching for this season. One guy on the Florida roster that you should be watching. This that we're season? not talking about that. We don't know. I think Abdullah Shobai. Yeah, tell me about it. Because uh, I mean, you see the ITF results. There's a lot to be right. impressed by. He uh, he's been he's been impressive. He has great hands. He almost has like an Andrade like feel for the game. You know, he's fast, athletic, a lefty, serves well, and uh, he's had some success at the pro level as well. I mean, <laughs> that's a lot of guys on our team, but he's he's the youngest guy mm-hmm. who has. So um, he's been pretty impressive. I definitely think he's gonna do some good things for us in doubles this year. I mean, along with Matias Seymour, who's an absolute wizard at doubles. And, um, but I think Abdullah Shobai is going to shock some people. Mm-hmm. No, we're excited to see it. Well, then my last question, the most important one, uh, if you never get asked about clinching a national championship playing for your dad again, will you be okay with it? Have you been asked it enough? I, I have been asked it, asked it <laughs> en- enough, I think. Um, I've answered that question a lot of times in a lot of different ways, but every <laughs> message has been the same. So, uh, have you ever just mixed it up on him? You'd be like, you know, it really wasn't that cool. Like, I really, yeah. to be honest, I was kind of hoping it was someone else. 
Yeah, to be honest, I, I wish I got to run on Andrade's court. Yeah. No, it, it, it was definitely cool, though. It was, uh, it was, it was a super cool moment, you know. <laughs> No, that's got to be awesome. And again, a well-deserved moment for you, Ben, unequivocally, one of the standout performers as a freshman. And then, obviously, we all saw what you did this summer. We're all excited for what you and the Gators are able to accomplish, uh, see what you're able to accomplish this season. So, of course, thank you for taking the time to chat. Thank you for joining the show today. Appreciate all of your comments throughout the year as well. Uh, and goes without saying, you are always welcome back on the show. Thanks so much, Alex. I appreciate it. And, uh, there's a lot of great teams this year, and uh, there's a lot of similar levels, big rivalries. So I know that you're going to have a fun time, and this uh, podcast is going to keep blowing up. So uh, good luck with all that. I appreciate that. I think my hot take is going to be you starting the year at 7. I think that's the take <laughs> I'm going to nurse. Just, you know, ITL American. Yeah, they'll play them at 7. Um, I see it, man. I see it. <laughs> exactly. You, know, you should have heard Ben talk about Abdullah. That'll be my argument. Uh, but, exactly. no, again, always a pleasure. Be safe. Be healthy. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Alex. Sounds good. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with ITA All-American singles champion Ben Shelton. A huge thank you to Ben for taking the time to chat. Sincerely, congratulations to him on all of his success. Thoroughly well-deserved. And, of course, we will be wishing him and the entire Gators team success here as they look to defend their title in 2022. Of course, if you want to hear extended thoughts on the ITA All-American Men's Championships, hop on over to our Great Shot podcast feed on Thursday. Chris Halioris. Matt Stachowiak and myself recap the event named our biggest winners and losers from the singles and doubles competitions both from an individual perspective as well as from a team perspective and obviously goes without saying college tennis season creeping upon us we're going to begin our preview series at the start of November we're going to break down our top 10 teams have a bunch of other fun things planned throughout the two two and a half months prior to the start of the season as well so be on the lookout for all of that content over the next few weeks next few months to be available on our website crackrackets.com of course this week we're focusing on all things Indian Wells and if you've missed any of that action daily recaps on the mini break podcast daily predictions on the great shot podcast feed as well all of that content again available on our website crackrackets.com if you need the more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube we are at cracked rackets you want to message me directly i am at great shot pod a shout out as always to our super producers max fligner and daniel westoff for the of editing job they do day in day out with that said for our fantastic guest ben shelton for our super producers, Fliegner and Westoff, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone.